Well, at half time, this is not a joke. I was genuinely thinking, how am I going to tell Tom and Ed that I'm not doing it again next season? <laughs> <laughs> yes, such a you know, fair weather fan. You should you should go and join the West Ham fans. It's you know. 95%. I mean, how bad was that first half, though? Seriously. It was, and then how, how good was that? <laughs> like, just... I mean, the, the thing is, the quality gap... It's like Wayne Rooney's entire career in one game of football. <laughs> the quality gap between United's best and worst in that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually thought it took 10 minutes for... For um, United to really get into that second half, although Rashford did some good things. Oh, uh, no, I, I don't mean from half time. I mean from the build up yeah, to no, no. I, the I, first I, goal. You I, know, I, yeah, I know. Um, I mean, it was the, the whole the first half. I mean, the first half was just absolutely shocking, abysmal, abysmal. Yeah, and yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, we're always like that was the worst performance since blah 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 blah. Mm. Right, but that was the worst performance since. Moyes was in charge. Just... No, yeah, I, I want I want someone who cares enough to go back through every episode after bad games and clip up the number of times you've said that's the worst performance since exactly. 24. It's not it even the like... worst performance at West Ham away since <laughs> no, Moyes was true. in charge. <laughs> that was a cry from help from Ollie there. He's just asking to be sacked. Uh, it was uh, a joke, joke, joke. I mean, it was just dreadful, though. Uh, United, yeah, it, it wasn't just... A, I mean, United's shape was almost as bad as it was during that West Ham away game with Mourinho in charge. Now, that may have been self-inflicted from the manager. This one was... I, I just don't know what they'd been working on uh, all week or at least for the last three days uh, in terms of their shape because they were all over the place. Defensively, from open play, obviously from set-pieces... Uh, they couldn't get any rhythm together in attacking. The the passing was just abysmal. That's everybody. I mean, obviously, for reasons that I find unfathomable, and maybe you can uh, point me in the right direction, Paul Pogba seemed to be taking the brunt of criticism from uh, fans on social media and from many fans in the few fans that were there for from uh, West Ham. Um, but it was just it was just abysmal from everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Pogba was didn't play well in the first half, but he definitely didn't play worse than anyone else. Actually made a couple of fairly important defensive contributions at, at, at points. Um, but they were just giving the ball away for fun. I mean, the 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 scale of awfulness of United's first half performance, it just, it's kind of hard to overstate really. I mean, they had a lot of possession in the first half, but uh, what they did with that possession was just, I mean, it was just utterly useless, wasn't it? It was just like, they, they just gave the ball away all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the raw data, and if ever the raw data doesn't tell the story of that game, like they just couldn't string. What I'd like to see is a number of passing chains created in that first half, you know, number of sequences of four successful passes in a row. It's got to be one. It was 303 passes in that first half, 262 completed. So that's a, what, 13, 14%. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, no, which a bit is more not fifteen percent. So you know, yeah. I mean, it's not horrendous, but but no pattern to it at all. I mean, it always broke down, which is which is of course the point you're making. But um, it, I mean, it just what the passing was the manifestation of everything that was wrong. Of course, you know that was where it was most ugly. Uh, but but the fact that they couldn't even get any sort of individual brilliant moments in that first half, which which is the thing that this United team has to fall back on all of the time mm-hmm. because we're still not a team. And we can we can talk about some of the reasons why that might be the case. Um, it, it's damning enough. And, and then just defensively, uh, maybe it's the new combination in the middle. I don't know. That was a problem. But um, uh, when, when in the defensive third, uh, they seem to be all over the place. I don't know who was supposed to be controlling the back four, but... Uh, if it's Maguire, he wasn't getting his message across. And then it was all, all sort of epitomised by the goal from Suchek from from the corner, you know. No one attacked the ball. Everyone stood still. Uh, and then I don't know if there was supposed to be a man at the back post. I guess there wasn't. And whose responsibility is to to follow in now? I mean, really, it's Alex Tellez. Um, Pogba was also close to it, but I, I don't think that's his man. I've only seen it the two or three times, so you know may may be incorrect on that one, but just dreadful the whole lot, you know, no challenge made on rice uh, and and no one following Sujek. yeah, so Cavani and Cavani was Marcia was the furthest forward at the near post. ball goes over him, so not a lot he can do about that. Cavani just didn't go with rice at the near post at all, very much like we saw with Rashford against Southampton and um, where well, Rashford at least tried to go with his man and was kind of out muscled to it. Rice was just given the freedom of the stadium to do what he wanted and yeah an easy tapping at the back post and then you know seconds later it could have been two 0 and maybe a different story, although uh, put it out of the realm of possibility that United could have come back from 2-0 down in this, but Allaire was through one-on-one. I mean, West Ham's XG is pretty good and this isn't on their XG because Allaire fell over before he took the shot. So. I mean, it's, it's, I mean it, it's really very funny uh, because poor old Sebastian Allaire looks like he's been shot by a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pea shooter as well because it, it, it takes him a while to feel that the impact's happened. Um, tackled mean, by a ghost the, the ghost that tackled Zeki Fryer's tackled him caught somewhere I guess but yeah. it's not even clear that that's happened I mean it looks like he's caught in midair. Well, it reminded me, there's been a lot of chat about the pitch at the Azteca in 86 and Gary Lineker was saying in his tribute to Maradona that you put your foot down and the, the turf would just go out from under you. And I always wonder if they've appointed, imported a little bit of the, that turf in tribute to Maradona. Funny, but but it could have been so much worse. I mean, United could have been 2-0 down at that stage yeah. and and that's obviously a lot harder to come back from because it... it it changes the shape and the nature of the game in the second half. And so, you know, United got away with one there. I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. the XG. Yeah? West Ham's XG is is significantly higher than United's in this one. And, and they mm-hmm. did create some good chances. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, almost all in the first half. I think one of their decent chances is in the second half, but almost everything. First half, there's the one from Fornals where... Um, it was it Henderson made a good save, I think, the, the kind of near posty one. That, that's um, really near, like, that's like a couple of minutes in that one. 
Yeah. It? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right at the yeah. beginning of the game. And then there was the one where Fanals hit the post from the left-hand side uh, of the pitch. Um, so it just uh, at half-time, just all over the place. And like you said, just no plan, no shape. So I saw the team line up and there's a lot of talk about 4-3-3. Just looking at this, going, this isn't going to be a four-three-three. Pogba's going to be wasn't. in line with McTominay yep. all the way through this. It's going to be four-two-three-one. Now that formation with the arrow pointing down to use Dutch football terminology, you know, you've got two more attacking midfielders and one player sweeping. The problem is you can't just play McTominay as a one in that he just doesn't have the skill set. So the the time that United did play that that system was those games under Van Hal and it was Carrick that was in that that spot and he could do it because you know he's so good on the ball essentially that you know and then his positional reading of the game and all that stuff was very high level but you can't do that with McTominay so you do need to play a four two three one now I think it's an interesting choice to play Van der Beek as the ten and Pogba as the well I want to I was going to say eight but really it's six in that nice double I, I, pivot. Yeah, I think there's a strong argument that you just swap those around and you're going to get better out of both players because, you know, Van der Beek is... is I mean, he had a bad game, actually. He had a, he had a bad half of football. I was surprised he came off, um, but turned out that was a, a very good decision to leave Pogba on the pitch, being given what he did in the second half. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that was... It just clearly did not work in any way. And, and you know... I mean, Bruno gets a lot of stick in a lot of different quarters and uh, he can be unbelievably frustrating. He was against uh, PSG um, and he was in the first half of whoever it was that we played before that, Southampton. Um, But he really clearly does do a lot of organisational work on the pitch and they miss that voice a lot, I thought. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's the thing that Wayne Rooney was talking about in the, the, the official pod few weeks weeks back where he's saying he you know in his time um the the shift of all those leaders out of the squad and that's you know Giggs, Ferdinand, Gary Neville, yeah Ranger leaders, uh Keane before that, sometime before that, um to to something else was really detrimental. Yeah. And and very rarely in the intervening years have we got multiple leaders in this team. You know, and we, we talked about it on last week's pod, didn't we, or midweek pod. And and it's it's very clear that Bruno can have such an influence just by stepping on the pitch. Be, mm. Because it's not like he was in central midfield suddenly dictating the the terms of the game. That's not what he does as a player. He makes things happen yeah. uh, in, a, in a kind of unbelievable way, really. I mean, um, there's so few players... In the in the modern game that you you kind of point to as having that kind of influence when they're on the ball in the final third, yeah. Uh, in, in in terms of yeah, he's he's the he's the he's the wrist spinner in T twenty. You know, it, it can be a bad pass and he's still going to create a, a chance. So, <laughs> um, uh, sorry, yeah, non cricket fans, he's throwing googlies all over the place and some of them coming off, uh, and and it really matters. Uh, and and then he's got you know. He's uh, Ian Morgan as well. I'm really stretching the uh, analogy here. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, but but it, it did, you know, there's a huge galvanising effect. And, and after that first half, which was, you know, it was a disaster of individual performance. But when every single player we know, we know, even if you're one of these people that somehow think Paul Pogba is bad, in which case, you know, whatever, um, 
Everyone, everyone loves Donny van der Beek, right? Everyone, ev- I mean, I love him, so I'm not saying you shouldn't love him, but everyone loves Donny van der Beek. He gave the ball away every time he had it in that first half. Like every United player looked bad in that first half and they are not all bad. I mean, there was, uh, Martial stung the West Ham keeper's hands, didn't he? The one bit of kind of insightful interplay fed Tellez. Tellez knocked it back to him and he had the shot from the edge of the area, which stung the fingers of the West Ham keeper by the top corner. But generally speaking, I mean, just we just created like next to nothing of any meaningful value. And it was an immensely frustrating, I mean, just immensely frustrating first half. And you're watching this going, oh, this this team under this manager, they're, they're not going anywhere, you know. But this team under this manager... And, you know, this keeps happening. I mean, United's record since the January transfer window, I saw a league table before this game was something like three points off Liverpool at the top of the fictional league table that doesn't exist since then. Now top of that fictional league table. Right, there you go. I mean, God, where are we in the actual league table right now? Fourth. Amazingly, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's baffling uh, it's continually baffling. I mean, I, I said on Twitter, I simply do not understand this Manchester United side. And I don't. I I mean, we can talk about this game and like different things that happen in this game that I kind of feel like I've got some sort of handle on. But fundamentally where United are at, no, absolutely no idea. Because it's a disastrous first half and then things start to happen in the second. Yeah, they do. I mean, let's talk about some of the things that happened then. So, um, so I'm trying to remember who's got the... Who scored the first goal? Would you like to remind the listeners exactly what you were saying off air about Paul Pogba's first goal? I'm not going to say what I said off air specifically because there was a reason that that was off air and not on air. But what I am going to say is um, I celebrated this goal with a certain anger in my heart, a certain... um, A certain... uh, Redemption feeling. I mean, listen, Paul Pogba has been bad. I'm not denying that he's had a very bad start to the season but the extent to which it's not that people write him off it's that they enjoy writing him off that's the thing that that's the thing that gets under my skin united fans i mean i'm not talking about graham oh, yeah. Souness. i'm talking about people that you know this is their player on their team but they're they're not rooting for him. Even at the peak of our agenda against Wayne Rooney, which lasted for five solid years on this show, <laughs> I do not believe for one second that either of us was ever rooting against him oh, for a God, second. Oh, no, God, not, not for a moment. Not for a moment. Uh, you know, and I say that hand on heart. I always wanted him to be brilliant. I couldn't understand yeah. why he wasn't. Well, I knew why he wasn't. And it was frustrating that United couldn't move on. But, you know, with Pogba... I, I understand why people might be frustrated with him and they sure. want more out of him. Sure. And, and you know, maybe they'll go as far as, as, as feel like they want more out of him because of the money, right? Or, you know, right, Whatever yeah. that means, right? Um, because it doesn't mean anything because the alternative, it goes in Malcolm's pocket. Not literally Malcolm's pocket, but, you know, I use that as an analogy for the whole clan. Um and, and and what it actually feels like is is there's something about Paul Pogba's um, partly persona or media personality or the way he's covered, and I suspect it's a lot of that, um, that makes people so angry about him mm-hmm. that they want 
everything to conform to the narratives they've already created in their head about him. You know, and this is why during that half, when he's really done nothing worse or better than that first half, that is, uh, than anyone else on the pitch, he's the man who, on my Twitter timeline, is getting 98% of the abuse. Um, And it's really abusive. It's really Mm -hmm. abusive. And it doesn't make any sense to me why he's the man that's so picked out. No, you guys can, listening, can go and work that out for yourself. You know, I've given a few things. There may be some other stuff that's more insidious than that. Um, and, yeah, whatever. And, you know, um, so but- this is not, this is not, and I just want to make this absolutely clear, this is not a, um, I mean, this is the third goal he scored in 49 games for club and country. He's been in a really bad trot for over a year. And, you know, he was excellent, I thought, during Project Restart, almost all the good stuff that happened was about Pogba and Fernandez combining well together rather than, you know, Fernandez doing it all on his own. Um, but yeah, he's he's been in a bad trot. There's, there are genuinely good reasons for a lot of that, you know. Anyway, I never mind all that. I celebrated slightly with a, with a slight, um, just ever so slightly vindictively, um, but mostly just absolutely delighted because this is he's the only player we've got that can do that. Well, Bruno could probably do versions of that because he, he loves a, a goal from distance, doesn't he? But an absolutely belting strike. Now, David Moyes Beautiful is touch fuming. strike as well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Moyes is fuming. Uh, and by the way, just before you come on to Moyes, um, you know, I think I can, I can summarise your feelings um, about this, which you don't want to share on there. Fine, you know, fine. As Roy Keane did. did with uh, Mick McCarthy in 2002. <laughs> Shove that up your f- bollocks. <laughs> just like to say, I did not say that off air. <laughs> just so people think like, oh, I'm, I don't... I'm saying he, summarising. Summarising. Yeah, yeah, paraphrasing, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, it's somewhere in, definitely somewhere in that realm. Um, the... Uh, it's a phenomenal goal. David Moyes absolutely fuming. Henderson clears it down the line. Very definitely, no doubt whatsoever, 100% in all the way. Listen, I've seen this several times from behind the line and there's some serious physics at play if that doesn't go out because Dean Henderson hits the ball at a very like 45 degrees to the right of him and it curls back in, lands right in front of Fernandez. But never mind that. I mean, Moyes is clapping at the pressure that's put on Henderson because he's like, oh, great, Henderson's kicked this out. And then the play continues and Moyes is like looking around, just waving his arms as the ball comes to Fernandez, who then uh, hits it inside to Pogba, who does his his magic. And Clearly we need goal line technology on the touchlines. <laughs> yes. Because I'm, I'm sure there's... Uh... Sure, there's going to be some controversy on the back pages. But funnily enough, I'm just, just a little aside here, right? You know, ESPN um, do a, a whole calculator of uh, who's benefited and and not from VAR in the Premier League. United's um, uh, net beneficial beneficiary from VAR is one goal, one goal in the Premier League this season. Um, and I think it wasn't much more than that. I think it was like two last season. Uh, and and it's not the narrative that's explained uh, in coverage of the game, not to go all sort of paranoid about things. Um, but I'm sure in, in covering this particular game, there's going to be an awful lot of uh, discussion about that ball, whether it went out of play or not. 
Yeah, and who cares? Who so cares? Be- exactly. Be- and it's David Moy, so you can stick that up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Moisey. And West and West Ham, who I didn't hear this, but I saw wide scale reports. Like I've not seen any replays of it or anything at this point, but I've seen wide scale reports that they booed during the taking a knee as well, Millwall fans had done earlier in the day. I mean, not in any way surprising. Uh, that it's those particular clubs. I mean, that's just not in any way surprising. I mean, look, and, I, I mentioned it earlier. I, ju- I just cannot uh, understand West. I just cannot understand them. Right, ninety-five percent of the noise that comes out of West Ham fans' mouths is or some <laughs> variant of that. Right, you know, maybe seventy percent booing and twenty percent jeering, <laughs> and four percent of the time they're blowing bubbles, and and maybe. If that doesn't add up to 100, which I think I, it doesn't, maybe there's a little bit of support in their team in there as well. So then um, then comes, the, the goal goes in, the, the kickoff's restarted, and then United basically just keep the ball and are knocking it about really, like, completely effectively. I think Rashford made a huge difference coming on on the left. Um, Martial didn't, hadn't, yeah, he did come off. He'd come off by that point through injury. So Cavani comes off at half time with Van der Beek. He brings on Rashford and Fernandez, and then he loses Martial to injury, which was you know worrying at that point. I think that was still yeah. at nil, just, nil, just nil. before the goal. Yeah, and so he goes to like two up front, um, but really Mason's still playing off the right. Effect uh, well left. played off the left quite a lot. Yeah, um, and Mata comes on and he's playing ostensibly off the right, but. We know that doesn't mean he's actually playing off the right. Anyway, um, they knock the ball about brilliantly. And then uh, Bruno goes in and tackles their keeper, like puts a load of pressure on. And that's that's how you pressurise a keeper, David Moyes. Uh, United get a throw in. It's really nice play um, from Bruno to get the ball to Tellez. Tellez puts in a nice ball for Mason Greenwood. What Mason Greenwood does is absolutely elite number nine play. Like he's obviously not that all the time, but he's that. Much, much, much more of the time than he should be for his age. Oh, I mean, that that goal is just... Every single part of what Mason does after the ball reaches him is world-class. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an absolutely stunning control and turn and finish. And and he's hit it so cleanly, the keeper can't get anywhere near it. And it's, it's a yard away from him. Um, yeah, it, just brilliant. absolutely brilliant. I mean, I have to, I have to say, I mean... Um, just after half time, Rashford had quite a few good runs down the left, in, including one uh, monumental one, didn't he? Uh, and and it actually looked like Hugh was livelier there instead of um, um, uh, putting Mason out there, which happened for the last half hour of this game. Um, and and I, I guess Ollie's got his reasons for doing that, uh, but it felt like Mason being the point man and Rashford coming off the left would have been the better balance. Uh, um, Rashford had a good impact, very good impact after he came on. But uh, Mason's finishing is just absolutely stunning. It's, it's the one area of Marcus's game that um, probably falls down more than the rest of it, doesn't it? Is the finishing. I mean, one against the post. Was there another one? Yeah, he feels scored. Like there was, feels like there was another one. I, I can't remember. Yeah, he, I mean, scored. I, he scored. He scored the other one. He scored. He scored. But, I, I mean, another one where we didn't score. <laughs> All right, um, right. So, so you know, it, it's it's obviously not. I mean, he can finish absolutely brilliantly, but half of them are really difficult ones. Uh, Mason will finish anything, anything. Yeah. And, and this is not a criticism of Marcus uh, at all. Um, there's there's stuff he he does that obviously Mason can't do, including carrying the ball sort of fifty or sixty yards down the left as he did at one stage. 
Yeah, so let's talk about the, the chance he missed just because the pass from Fernandez. I mean, this is what you were talking about with the, the level of exceptionalness of Bruno Fernandez. That control and pass, not just the pass, but the the killing the ball absolutely dead and immediately hitting an inch perfect slide through pass. I mean, that is that is the Bruno Fernandez dream, right? That is the pass. Every single pass he plays is that in his own head. Like he's I have I just kill the ball dead and put in a perfect through ball every yeah, time well, I've got the it's ball. It's a special combination. I don't know what it is in FIFA these days. I haven't played it for a while, but you know, is it YR1 or something like that? <laughs> right, perfect right, through right. ball. Right. Yeah. But to to do it on the turn after controlling that ball. And it was a real shame that Rashford just slightly, just slightly got his shot wrong. And I don't think any of us were particularly surprised by that because that isn't necessarily his best situation. Um, But then, brilliantly, he got a chance at redemption almost immediately. Um, This is nice interplay. Bruno, uh, Pogba finds Bruno. Bruno finds Mata. Mata with, oh my God. I mean, the pass of the day, maybe? Uh, Just, I mean... It's partly, I guess the Bruno one is a better pass just sort of technically or whatever. But timing wise, if you look where Rashford is at the point of beating the man in the offside trap, I mean, Mata really had to release that ball at that exact split second that he did. And it was one of those where, you know, as he's going through, I'm almost like only half celebrating the goal, really, because just waiting for the inevitable, like, "Mm, yeah, no, actually his nose is offside. Oh no, Um, beautiful pass from Mata. He's still got it. Hasn't he? Yeah, at yeah. Times, at times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not an athlete. Never really was, but he's uh, he's even less than that now. But range of passing could be absolutely spectacular, and that that was uh, that was the one he hit first time, right? Yeah. Or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah lovely. Um, then uh, you know, a few few uh, few bad things to talk about just, in this game. Just just before that, having had a a, a question about Rashford's finishing, the unbelievable quality of Marcus Rashford's finish one-on-one the little dink there I mean it was just a beautiful just a beautiful goal Pogba Fernandez Mata Rashford every touch on the ball exactly what it needed to be and now suddenly from a game where we played as badly as we've ever played we are we are like we are battering them and this is this is the thing that Ole has over the all the people that have come before him I mean, he is not, in my opinion, we are never getting to the top under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's too limited. That's, that's, I mean, I've never said anything. I would like to be wrong more than that. But, you know, that's, that's my current opinion. Um, but it is so much more fun and uh, there is so much more good than there's been in the post-Ferguson era. Um, it's just, there's an awful lot of absolutely terrible as well. Yeah, look, I, I don't know what Ollie's healing is and I don't know what his limitations are exactly, except that a, a lot of things kind of manifest themselves on the pitch, which are, are pretty disturbing, right? And and beyond beyond all of that is the fact that two years in the job, he cannot get any consistency out of these players at all. You know, and I guess you can, you can point the finger at the players and say, you know, not good enough. Of course you can, but... In the end, it's it's Ollie as the manager where the buck stops. I mean, he's the man who's got to fashion all those raw ingredients into something that really works as a team. And and two years in, there there are signs, but there've been signs from the first fourteen games. You know, yeah, there's yeah. been signs, yeah. and they never really form into something particularly concrete. So, 
and and uh, you know I I know in social media we want to be you know extremely reductive about arguments and it has to be sort of this binary ollie in or ollie out but you know I think uh, two years in we're they have a fairly good sense of sort of what he wants right but but I, I wonder whether he really has a very clear vision about what this team how this team should play because they play a different system and a different style of play almost every week at this mm. point and and what he wants it to look like in the end you know and I, I with with so many managers you definitely would have had that by now even if there were inconsistencies so Klopp Lots of inconsistencies in the first couple of years of of his reign at at Liverpool. Lots definitely had the sense of what they were as a team, where they were going. Mm. Same with Pep, really. I mean, um, of course, you know it's unfair uh, comparison because he gets uh, so much uh, money and has the right kind of structure behind him at, at City to buy the right players. But you know, pretty average first season in charge at Manchester City, but very clear how they're going to play. Um, just not enacting it. And, th- and that's the thing that I just don't quite get with Oli yet. I, d- I don't know what this looks like in the end. You know, this is not a high-pressing team. Is it a passing team? Well, sometimes it's a passing team, unless they don't want to pass the ball, and then it's a 30% defendant on the break team. And that's really the only time you can kind of see a functional team come out, you know, consistently, functionally. Is when they play like that, but I, I don't, don't. I don't think that. I don't think. I think there there was a time when that was true, but I don't even think we're consistent at that anymore. Right. I don't, and I don't and think... even so, you, you're not going to win the league playing like that. No. I mean, you might get in the top four playing like that. Uh, maybe that's our goal these days, and and you overcome your limitations. So, it, it's. I, I don't know where we go from here. Of course, you know every. Every victory seems inevitably to be followed by something disappointing, either a disappointing performance in, in, in a win again or a loss. You know that that record that we spoke about, the the number of points since Bruno joined. I mean, it's a it's a great, it's a great number of points. Um, how many really superb performances in there? You know, it's a lot less than the number of victories. Yeah. But then, and and that's a that is a big factor. But then over a substantial a bit like Nanny, like somebody said today to me, this is a team of eleven nannies, and it, it you know we would say all the time like Nanny's incredibly inconsistent, and then you'd look at his numbers over the course of a season, and he looks like he's incredibly consistent. There's three seasons in a row, whatever, where he puts up double figures of assists for three seasons in a row, and I think two of them double figures for goals as well. Yeah, which is, one he's got like 15 and 17, which you'd say he's absolutely elite. Yeah, know? but all the way through that season, he was wildly inconsistent <laughs> um, because in, in the course of a game. And like Fernandez is a great example of this. I and mean, Fernandez is a wildly inconsistent player, but um, consistently puts up big numbers. So uh, you could say like, even though the performance of performances have been inconsistent the numbers of games that we have won the 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 kind of volume of at which we win games from coming from behind or scrape a win or whatever that there's a consistency inbuilt in that there's you know there's a there's a level of achievement inbuilt in that now I mean do we argue it's not sustainable it's a too small a sample size it's starting to be a year's worth of sample size it's it's pretty substantial um and that you know that's something now what it is I, I just 
I don't know. And where we go, I don't know. But the, the kind of original point I was making, I actually came to praise Ole not to bury him. Like it's, I know I started by saying I, my, this is just, this is the most, this is the essence of like, don't take this seriously. This is just an opinion that I don't stand behind this opinion with my life. Like who knows wh- whether this is right or wrong. I kind of feel like we're probably not going to get to the top under Ole. That's, you know, that's that's about where I come down on the balance of things. But I don't, I definitely don't claim to be an expert. But what I was trying to say is, in spite of that, and in spite of how bad we look sometimes, there's there's a hope and a belief in this team that just wasn't there before. In terms of, I'm not talking about whether we win stuff or not. I'm talking about whether we win a game that we're 1-0 down in. You know, like the fact that we won this game 3-1 is absolutely mad considering the the sheer level of awfulness of the first half performance. For sure, yeah. But but the the former point is is also true, right? So we believe there's the potential for something happening with this team because there are performances like this or better ones. And, uh, and and that's also the frustration because, of course, a team's uh, progression to being great is not necessarily, ne- necessarily completely linear. You just don't go in a straight line from awful to great. No, uh, no and, team ever has. That, right, and, and key purchases can can actually make that sort of leap, as we've yeah. seen with um, Bruno Fernandes. And, and maybe in the future, United will make the right kind of acquisitions or players will come through from the youth team or something will happen to, to, to push this, forward, this team forward even more. Um, right from here... I think it would still it's still going to be a stretch for United getting in the top four. I mean, you know, we're fourth now after an inconsistent start, but it will be a uh, it will be United will have to find some level of consistency to finish in that top four. I guess. Well, they'll have to. They'll um, it's have certainly to find not consist- guaranteed. Let's put it yeah, like they'll that. they'll have to maintain a consistency of results. I, I, you know, that's because. We're, we're actually starting to see that because really in the end, like last season, Chelsea and United got into the top four in part because of because it was actually quite an easy job to get into the top four based on what the other potential challenges for that did. This season, I mean, Spurs have obviously locked it up. So Spurs are the, are the one team that you'd say have substantially improved on last season. Um, and that now means it's bit, it's likely to be between Chelsea, us, Leicester. Um, Leicester are, are. I mean, I don't think Spurs inc- have locked it up. Looking well, no, at the points totals. Not maybe not locked it up. Sorry, that's a stupid thing to say. So I guess it's between Spurs, Chelsea, Leicester. But but you'd think it seems like Spurs are functional enough. I mean, but we'll see. There's plenty of implosion ahead, as as I said last week on the bonus content. Um, Patrick Bamford scored as well just now against Chelsea. Talking of bonus content, uh, fans of the bonus content will uh, will know <laughs> how the two of us feel about him. Um, uh, actually, I, I don't know why I'm claiming that I've, I'm a Patrick Stanford. I'm no, not... you are now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is that, I mean did, I've already ordered you the shirt. <laughs> so if that's a lead shirt, I'm very upset that you've done such a thing. Um, the uh, anyway, so. 
yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep getting these results. But you know, again, we talked about consistency and inconsistency. We are on the longest run of away wins in the club's entire history, Newton Heath included. Like this is not since the Premier League was born, right? This is and, of all and time. five in a row in the Premier League away from home, coming from behind to win. <laughs> Which is bonkers. Really. I'm sure no team has ever done that before in the history of association football, right? That's that is that's ours. Yeah, I don't know whether that's true or not, but no, we'll, we'll run I'm, it. I'm so. claiming it. Um. Anyway, just a, just a few notes about some other players before we move on. Dean Henson, very neat and tidy. Everything he did, no mistakes. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, looked looked. Uh, he's obviously very competent. I mean, high XG for West Ham, but no, not loads of saves he had to make. But one no. very good one to his left and everything else uh, perfectly well done. Um, thought Wan Bazaka was pr- pretty good. He's had some ropey games this season, but I thought he did well. One big mistake uh, that the spider recovered from with uh, yeah. one of those long raking tackles, which was uh, which was good to see, you know. I'd, no, fans love that kind of thing, of course, because uh, make a mistake and... Uh, do everything for the shirt, passion, to, and then execute the tackle. But uh, I thought he did well there, and and a good game from Alex Tellez. Uh, got the, you know, good in, good yeah. enough, good enough. And don't make faces. You know. Good attacking, good attacking contribution. Yeah, exactly. Putting a, a good ball and and pretty neat in possession. Uh, defensively, we'll we'll see. Ball ball watchy. Yeah, maybe. Uh, friend maybe. of the show, Cal Gildart, suggesting that Alex Tellez might be a ball watcher. And I think that's one to keep an eye on. He definitely looked a bit ball watchy at the corner that led to the goal. True. True. Yes. Uh, and Any other notes before we move on? Um, no, not really. J- just, uh, yeah, I think I think more or less said anything. Uh, absolutely amazing from Mason. That all three got go- all three goals. Absolutely top draw, brilliant goals. Like that's that makes for a fun afternoon, doesn't it? And and yeah, uh, Ollie's absolutely baffling Reds march on somehow. Uh, should we take a break and then talk about where they're marching on to next? We shall. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, RB Leipzig in a must-draw game. Uh, Any result, (laughs) uh, unless Istanbul beat Paris, we have to draw this game. Um, I'm I'm at a loss. I'm absolutely at a loss about how you kind of like pass all the information we have about this United side and Ole and our strengths and weaknesses and Leipzig's performances. They drew three all today, you were saying, uh, with Bayern Munich. Um, They've been both excellent and dreadful in the Champions League at different points. Um, So yes, I have absolutely nothing useful to say about this game so it's it's on you ed it's all on you <laughs> so i mean just looking at their their formation played 4-3-3 today against uh, bayern uh, and um i mean with forsberg up front that'd be, be interesting will he start it probably will start against united he hasn't he hasn't always this season but um i imagine he probably will justin cliver definitely isn't always in the team uh, was in today and scored we'll see whether that makes a difference to what they're going to play um, but but the thing with Leipzig is it's just constant pressure and and this is where they really excel and, and United don't excel and 
the surprising thing about the game at Old Trafford was not the first half, because we know they can move the ball really well and we know that they can cause a lot of teams trouble, was the second half when they completely collapsed. That said, they conceded four in their last game and three in this one. So um, maybe maybe the defences aren't, aren't so good at the moment. I mean, they've, they've got two excellent central defenders and you wouldn't really expect them to be such a mess uh, because Kanate and Meccano are both really, really good. They'll be going on to bigger things, I imagine, uh, in the future. And, 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 you know, I'm waffling because I don't know the answer either to exactly how this will play out or what United team we will see. I hope it's the, the one that is able to put pressure on the opposition. I mean, if... If uh, it's a case of we'll soak up the pressure and break, it could work for United, but this is a team, RB, who can definitely score in those situations. Definitely. Yeah, so um, what on earth is Solskjaer going to do? One thing we know, of course, is that Fred won't play. I mean, it was quite quite interesting that he was uh, he was on in receipt of some punishment beatings today because of his team selection because... Uh, even though he was suspended for the game coming up uh, against Leipzig, he was nowhere near the team. Um, I I suppose we will see Pogba and Fernandez play. Uh, I mean, the Rashford might not. injury. We might see Rashford and McTominay. Might do. What was that? Sorry, Rashford. We and might McTominay. see. Ra- uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> not Rashford. McTominay and Matic right. in central midfield. We might. And then so one of Pogba, well, Pogba then would miss out because yeah. Fernandez isn't yeah, yeah. not going to play, is he? Yeah, Fernandez will play at 10, that's for sure. And then who's in the double pivot is uh, is another He's... question. I don't think we'll shift to another. I mean, we could go to three at the back, but it'd be 1v1. Uh, and and that seems risky with whatever combination you play. Turns AB is available, but I'd still be really surprised. I think it'll be a flat back for four, two, three, one, And then who's in the double pivot? pivot will be the question but I think it's who's in the double pivot alongside Pogba that's the question because I think Ole isn't going to drop Pogba after that goal because it's not how he works um so I I wonder whether I wonder whether we'll see a Pogba and Matic double pivot because of the quality yeah, on the ball and that, that is a combination that has never worked I mean yeah, it's, it's the yeah. softest of softest underbellies well it works really well when we're going to have 90% of the ball or 70% of the ball in a game then it's a great double pivot to have um, but yeah so so let's assume it's not that I guess I guess we'll see McTominay play again although he's had two very average games in a row like very average games in a row um, so you know I, I won't be excited about that but I guess it's going to be the the, the same back four that played today um, and then the front three I mean this is we are now also by the way like Bruno and Rashford having to come on in the second half of this game big issue both with knocks I mean Rashford has had perpetual injuries and just not been able to be fully fit he didn't Ollie said he didn't he was hoping he didn't have to bring Rashford and Fernandez on in this game but he did have to bring them on in this game they played 45 yeah. minutes and it's both a of shoulder them... injury so at least it's not a lower half muscle industry in, sure. in, injury or something like that short injury maybe you can manage that although he did go down heavily at one stage he did with a knock to the head and, and Fernandez took a right whack as well and he's got back problems. And Martial went off injured. So, you know, might be um might be struggling around a bit. I I I guess we might see a front three of Cavani, 
Rashford and Greenwood, maybe. If maybe if Martial or maybe Matter. Yeah, maybe depending on the style. So if he's going to play on the break and try and soak up pressure and go for pace up front, it may well be Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood. I guess if he wants to try and get a bit more control, maybe it's Matter in there. Where? Where? On the right. On the right. Right. Uh, and the other thing is he might play a diamond and two forwards instead of three forwards. So he might play Matic, Pogba, McTominay, Fernandez, or a Matic, uh, Pogba, Van der Beek, McTominay, Fernandez, and then Rashford and Greenwood or Cavani and Rashford or, you know, some combination of those two as well. That's, a, that's another possibility. Yeah. And, and doesn't this just hark back to the conversation we were previously ha- having? Yeah. Like it's it's not just the combination of players in there that are un, that's uncertain, but the formation. Now, could you honestly say you'd be absolutely shocked if you played a three at the back, a four at the back, a flat back five, four three three? That'd be a surprise. Four two three one, or four or, di- or, or four, two, four one, or, or a diamond sort of four one four, four, two, two one diamond. yeah yeah the diamond. Yeah, you know, so no. there's at least four viable formations. Now, you know, you you can give him the benefit of the doubt and say, "Hey, hasn't he built a flexible squad that can be horses for courses?" Mm-hmm. But is it is it the price of having you no know, like no clear set style at all? Mm. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it's. Th- this this podcast is a weird one because on the one hand it's very celebratory like we've just seen them play an amazing half an hour of football with some absolutely electric yeah if we goals just watched the last half of that game yeah and not the first sixty the, minutes it'd be great you know yeah up your bollocks David Moyes and uh, we've replaced you in the top five <laughs> yeah no tit yeah no tit you know exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. but but this is you know, I, I guess I wonder whether the fact that we'll need a draw and we need to draw and not win is going to play into his head, and he'll he'll go with the more conservative possible options of the the various options. But at, at this point, I'm also not even sure what that is because I don't think playing a back three is necessarily particularly conservative because actually that means you can use the defenders to bring the ball out, and you know, the, the, having sure. more defenders isn't playing more defensively necessarily. Yeah, sure. Uh, Timothy Fosu-Mensa as left wing back, Luke Shaw into a back three, and uh, Matic and McTominay in front of them. Something like that. I don't think that's going to happen now, is it? With uh, Daniel James up front on his own. (laughs) Forgot. I genuinely forgot he existed until just now. (laughs) He's in that. He's in the Lingard zone of uh, forgetting they exist. Anyway, I keep. I keep forgetting. I, I do very mini sort of preview on Instagram each week and I keep forgetting Lingard is is he he's injured? I'm sure no, no, he's injured. No, no, no he's no. just he's just been frozen out. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Well I why mean, yeah, where Phil, would you... Phil Jones sleeps with the fishes and yeah. That's that one we understand. I mean, has anyone seen Phil Jones alive in months? <laughs> uh, your mini um previews on Instagram are really good by the way. I feel like saying it's important to say that I have nothing to do with those Ed writes them. It's but, three paragraphs. It's it's not hard. Yeah. No, but they're, they're they're punchy and good. But if you get a reply in the message in the DMs on Instagram, that's probably me. To be fair, that's mm. that's about the balance of labour, isn't it? Um, all right. Uh, and talking of which, we've had a number of really nice messages this week, and it is just, 
I mean, really, really nice messages. So, like, massive, massive thank you to the people that have taken the time to to send a note of appreciation. And it, it makes all the difference because, especially at the end of that first half, when you're thinking, well, what is the point of getting on a on a Google Hangouts and talking about that for an hour? Um, it, it really makes it worthwhile. So huge thanks to everyone for that. Yeah, many, many people having this podcast at the top of their uh Spotify playlist all year or Spotify wrapped. Um, it was top of my Spotify wrapped too. It was literally the only podcast I'd listened to <laughs> on Spotify. And it was to make sure it was actually there. Just to make sure it's actually working. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, Patreon backers, we would normally throw to bonus content. We're going to do that midweek because we're having to record on Saturday for some logistics. So not enough football's gone down for us to talk about it. The Leeds are still beating Chelsea, which is amusing. Um, and somehow Everton didn't beat Burnley, but we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. Um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Have a good one. And we'll uh, we'll see you midweek. Bye now.